Welcome to The Way Podcast on FM 91.7, WHUS stores at the top of the hour. I'm your host, Bill Trofeski. And for more, be sure to go to podcasttheway.com. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you can. And my guest today is Ruben Dataya. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming out. And tell the audience a little bit about yourself. What are we talking about today? Um, so I'm a journalist from the Netherlands. Um, and together with uh, Austrian photographer, we have interviewed 11 protagonists who uh, used to struggle with an eating disorder. So they are men who used to struggle with an eating disorder. Um, and with this project, we wanted to kind of take away the stigma that eating disorders are always linked to uh, females. Um, and eventually this uh, project ended up in exhibitions around Europe and we made a photo book called A Story to Tell. And that's also the name of the project, A Story to Tell. Nice. So yeah, today we're going to talk about your book, A Story to Tell all about men's eating disorders because yeah everybody likes to think it's about women but you um well i mean it's both too but you wrote a book called i want to disappear too which talks about women's eating disorders too right uh actually my father so uh that's the photographer that i work with uh she made a book about that uh i only participated in the book about men's with eating disorders okay i was just curious so everybody thinks uh, eating disorders are women related what can you tell me about men having it? Um, yeah, actually the symptoms of the eating disorder itself aren't that uh, different from females. Um, the core of an eating disorder, which is mostly relies on um, hidden traumas or emotions that haven't been uh, processed yet or that they don't know how to express this. Uh, this is mostly the core of uh, eating disorders. Uh, they are kind of the same. Um, the difference that I would say is uh, mostly that men, and especially with anorexia, that they tend to focus a lot on sporting too, uh, because they want to have a really muscular body. So I think that's the difference between uh, females and males with eating disorder. And in general, from the statistics, at least the statistics that are known, it's also less common for men to have eating disorders. But as a disclaimer to that, um, the medical field still kind of struggles to reach uh, this group because there's a lot of shame on it. Um, yeah, so the statistic might be higher than it is actually now written in research. Yeah, I found um, academic.oup.com said 2.2% of men are affected with eating disorders, but that could yeah. range from 0.8 minimum to like 6.5% um, maximum. Yeah. So yeah, they definitely think it's higher up. But one of the things you said, like men like to be like strong and in shape. If you have an eating disorder, one that kind of make you weak and like too skinny, kind of like the opposite of what you would want to be. Yeah, so um, it's kind of illogical, as you could um, put it in these words, I would say. 
to exercise a lot and then eat not that much because you won't really grow muscles. Mm, but what we asked them this also, and they said that um, the anxiety to um, to gain weight was more heavy, and that's why they uh, developed this restrict restrictive eating behaviors. I would say, yeah. Because they get like a lot of anxiety in their head, kind of like shouts in their ear about if you eat, it kind of freaks them out or gives them a lot, well, yeah, a lot of anxiety. That's what yeah. like feeds into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are um, some of the past traumas you found with the people you interviewed for your book? Um, yeah. Um, it's really they don't want to share it. You don't have to share it. Sorry? Oh, the, <laughs> oh, wait, actually, no, it's in the book, so it's already shared. Yeah, no. yeah it's in the book. So, and I always said to them that uh, they were really in control of what they wanted to share or not because I don't want them to have things in the book that they rather not have in the book. So yeah, there could be traumas about everything. It could be in, a, in their social environment, like with friends or family. Um, we also had somebody who uh, had bad experience with sexual abuse. Um, we also had a protagonist in the book who were like bullied on school. Like a lot of them actually were also bullied as a kid. Um, so this also creates traumas and problems with self-esteem. Um, yeah. So these kind of things, I would call them traumas, I think. Yeah. I did a podcast episode a while ago, episode five. And actually for the people on the radio, it's going to be three days ago, but that same guest is doing a Ted talk in Hartford, but I think you can find it online. But yeah, so that episode was about this porn addict who had like a massive porn addiction and had this whole crazy story but the reason he said he got into it was because it gave him because his backstory was very sexual trauma and he said it gave him control of his environment so is it like these people get an eating disorder because they like to have control in their life gives them some structure um yeah yes i would say like that think um yeah a lot of addictions also still rely on control like even smoking cigarettes i would say and eating disorders you could definitely perceive them as uh, addictions too and um the thing like the symptoms that makes it really uh, a good way of controlling for eating disorders is that they can uh, wave them like weigh themselves all the time they can weigh the calories that they eat every day so this is like these are like quantitative matters that they can uh, wait every day. So um, you can get really obsessed by these kind of uh, matters and the control over this. Um, so yeah, control is definitely a big factor uh, that these men also, uh, why these men developed an eating disorder, I would say, yeah. You said weighing food. So like, do they have scales with them and they'll eat, like how much uh, weight a day would you say they'd eat? How much they would eat per day? Or yeah, like what? how many grams or like pounds or I don't know how to, yeah, um, like what the scale would be. Yeah, so actually um, we have kind of two rules in the book and that is that we don't uh, talk about the amount of calories uh, that they took and not uh, about the weights um, because it can be kind of triggering for people 
with an eating disorder, we read or listen to that. Um, but it, I could say that it's um, far less than advised. Um, and even to the point that uh, doctors said to them um, that their heart would probably fail if they would continue doing like this, or they had to be hospitalized and uh, fed with, um, how do you call this in English, when you, um, with the nutrition. I'm sorry, what kind of word are you looking for? Like a what? Um, so when they plug in the um, nutrition, feed like of course, nutrition. How you feed? It's a, yeah, one of those things you put into your arm for a, keep you alive. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. So this, yeah, like forced nutrition also. So it was like quite heavy stories. Uh, a lot of them were kind of balancing between death and being alive. So this kind of pictures how bad their situation was, I think. Yeah. I saw him on the website. One of the pages you shared about the book had a kind of told the story like what you just said, where um one person was hospitalized, almost died. What uh caused that person to get to that point? Um yeah, at a certain point there were even there was even one of the protagonists who said that he fully quit eating for a couple of days and he fully eats, uh, quits uh, drinking also for a couple of days. Um, so yeah, that's how bad it can be. And he ended up in the hospital pretty quickly, of course. Yeah. All right, so... Um, yeah, this was one of these two protagonists who um, got this forced nutrition also in the uh, hospital. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the eating disorders talked about in the book? Sorry? What are some of the eating disorders? Like there's a anorexia, bulimia, binge ah. eating. Yeah, uh, so it's these two, uh, anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, and then we also have all the specified feeding and eating disorder. And this is actually a combination of um, patterns of these three eating disorders, uh, but they kind of overlap. So then uh, doctors tend to put it in the diagnosis of other specified feeding and eating disorder. They overlap, so you can have like bulimia and anorexia, you can have both of them? Yeah, so for instance, you can have anorexia, but you still want a healthy weight, then uh, this would go into OSFET, mostly, I would say. Is it possible? And OSFET is the other specified feeding and eating disorder, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Um, is it possible to have anorexia and binge eating? Because I feel like those are the opposite side of the scale. Um, then I would say that it's bulimia, kind of, yeah. Okay, where you binge eat, but then you cook it. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, these all these symptoms kind of overlap a lot of time, and it's really up to a doctor to say in which category it, feel, it fits. And I would feel like, I would say that from what the stories that I've heard also, what the protagonist shared is that every eating disorder has so many different patterns that it's really personal for anybody um, for itself. Like the, your eating disorder could be way different than mine, for instance. Um, so it also needs a different way of approach and treatment. Um, yeah. Each person's like a whole different color, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I would say. What um? Can you give me an example? Like, what could one person have and then another person have that's like completely different? 
Uh, let me think of that. Yeah, so for instance, with really extreme versions, and fortunately we haven't uh, heard it from the um, people like the men sharing their stories in the book, um, but some of the um, people who have anorexia also use uh, laxation liquid, which is a very diehard um, version of, I would say, like a symptom to make yourself more skinny. Yeah, or people will puke, but the other other people don't do that. Um, this is a difference, I would say. Yeah. Okay. How did you uh, How did you even meet these people? Um. So it actually started with um, one of my best friends, who uh, used to have an eating disorder, uh, anorexia. Um. And at the time that I was friends with him, I didn't really notice that. And he told me a couple of years after that he recovered from it, that he used to struggle with anorexia. And he also told me that he was kind of afraid to relapse uh, back into it because he didn't really understand where the anorexia came from, what the underlying problems were. He just learned to eat normal again and to do sports in a normal way, um, but he was still afraid to relapse. And then um, I made an article with him that I went back to um, to his uh, family and to friends, but also to psychologists and to academic academics um, to understand more about eating disorders. And then this article got published on uh, Vice. Um, what was the article? What's uh, the name of it? Do you know? Yeah, but it's in Dutch though. It's uh, uh, not, it's only on the Dutch files, I think. <laughs> uh, for the, so the audience knows you're out in Greece right now, right? <laughs> yeah, I am in Greece right now, but I'm originally from the Netherlands. Yeah. So this was uh, one of the protagonists, and the other protagonists we approached them like via via uh, people that we we knew or via NGOs, um, or via the network of my father, the photographer. Um, and this is how we found people willing to anticipate in this project, yeah. Okay. While like meeting these people, what uh, what's the most surprising thing that you didn't expect to find out? I think most surprising... So in the book, we kind of focus a lot on the underlying problems of the eating disorders. And we kind of discovered from the stories that uh, a lot had to do with um, that they kind of struggled with the image that society has on masculinity. So how a man should be, how a man should behave and that they didn't really fit in this pattern. And that's also one of the reasons uh, that they developed an eating disorder. So actually, I, I didn't thought that this would be such a big topic in the book, but eventually it turned out to be quite a big topic. So for instance, um, a couple of protagonists, they found out that they were uh, gay, and um, this struggle with uh, their uh, sexuality and identity kind of also uh, helped in developing the eating disorder. Um, yeah. So was it they were 
trying to be like a masculine man and they got the eating disorder or they didn't accept the sexuality part? Yeah, so they didn't accept it or their environment didn't accept it. Um, we also had one protagonist who was from a very religious um, family and uh, environment and their environment didn't accept his sexuality. And then a lot of conflicts occurred in his life between him and his family. Um, so yeah, this doesn't really help for your self-confidence. So then the eating disorder kind of occurs as a coping mechanism to deal with all these problems because you kind of distract yourself um, by focusing on the eating, by focusing on the restrictive behaviors, the waiting that I said also. Um, and because you immerse yourself into this, you are not thinking about the things that are actually going on in your head. Um, and that's really what an eating disorder does. Um, that's kind of the cure of an eating disorder, I would say. Yeah. It's like a cover up for like another issue going on. Yeah, yeah, and mostly multiple issues, I would say. Uh, not specific like one thing, but multiple issues, yeah. Um, it's also kind of uh, kind of logic that this masculinity issue appeared like in, in hindsight, I would say. Um, because I think a lot of men never really learned how to share their emotions. So then this conflict only becomes bigger, I think. In Western society, it's still a bit taboo as a man to really open up about your emotions, uh, I think. Yeah, I don't know if you agree with that, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't, um, I don't know the step. I'm pretty sure men have, like, higher suicide rates and, like, depression and stuff like that for that reason. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. maybe I'll fact check and throw that out, to, but I'm pretty sure, like, I'm very confident that's right. Yeah, yeah, I'm also pretty confident. Yeah. And um, yeah, like you're saying, masculinity is an issue with uh, which feeds into this. But again, like an eating disorder has the stigma of just being like a woman's issue. It is a majority of, and it is also a majority woman's issue. So does that feed into and sort of make it even worse? Uh, yes, definitely, because uh, that's also kind of how we um, start the book with uh, with this question. And a lot of protagonists share that they were really lonely in their issues. Um, so first step, like they didn't really acknowledge that they had an eating disorder because they thought it was for girls or for women. So uh, they kind of denied it. Uh, and then most of the time it was that after a very long period of time, uh, someone in their environment started to recognize it and then they went to the doctor and then they got the diagnosis and then they started accepting it. But this took a very long time and it took probably longer than it would take with girls. So the uh, problems in this period of time uh, kind of develop already way much more heavier uh, than it would develop with females. So this is this makes it even more problematic, I would say. Um, and what was your question again? What was my question? Oh, it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> men's. Uh, yeah, so uh, issue of masculinity is what feeds into this eating disorder. So then I said like, oh, an eating disorder not being masculine making it worse. 
Yeah, yeah, it makes it worse because there's a lot of shame on it. Yeah, that's the conclusion of the story I wanted to say. Yeah, there's a lot of shame on it. And also, um, that's also what I wanted to add to it. Uh, when they were when they were having treatment, they were mostly in groups with girls, mostly. So they felt very lonely in the treatment center also. Um, and the kind of eating disorder, which is also sometimes like a voice in your head just saying things to you, um, then the eating disorder really said like, oh, you don't belong here because you're a man and you just eat healthy. Uh, look at look around you there are only girls here um so yeah that also doesn't help of course no it seems like you're getting the bad end of the straw and then you're getting the bad end of the straw again and then you're getting the bad end of the straw like again and again having this kind of eating disorder with the like having a masculinity issue related eating disorder yeah yeah true yeah yeah that is actually true but i will also want to say that a lot of protagonists in the book um got over their eating disorder and uh, even two of them are now working as a therapist uh, helping other people with eating disorders three of them actually um so that's also um kind of the message in the end of the book spoiler alert that uh, <laughs> you can get over an eating disorder yeah which is very important i think also that this is kind of the message of the book yeah that was one of my later questions, like if you completely overcome it, but that's good. Well, completely, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, we can get to that later, maybe. Yeah. Okay, I'll bring that back up. Uh, <laughs> you ever, um, you know Netflix, you watch Netflix, right? Yes. You ever see the movie, The Social Dilemma? Yeah, um, I know that there's also a guy with an eating disorder in there, right? You what? I Maybe I missed it. You could be right, though. Oh, uh, no, I haven't watched it, but I heard somebody saying that. But maybe it's not true. Yeah, the one the reasons I bring it up is because they talk a lot about, like, social media causing anxiety. It's a great movie I recommend to people. But, like, okay. it's just constantly like, social expectations, stuff like that. But one of the things they also touch up on is, like, models and being, like, photoshopped and everything's sort of this fake image. So does um, social media and the Photoshop models feed into this image problem that these people have? Um, I would say that it definitely feeds it. Um, uh, but one of the therapists that we spoke about this, he kind of made the distinction between a trigger for an eating disorder and the underlying problems, and that this is kind of more a trigger um, to start um, to start into this disordered eating behavior or sporting behavior. Um, but I do think that it kind of, yeah, it also has a lot of influence on it because the expectations kind of weighs um, in general of how you should be as a girl or a boy or a man or a woman. Yeah. Yeah, also because like maybe I should give kind of an example um if you for instance uh, with an alcohol addiction um you maybe yeah no this is not a good example maybe with smoking um you could kind of start smoking because it kind of looks cool and when you're like 15 years old you think that it looks cool 
um, but maybe there are like other things going on in your life that you feel a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety that you don't belong to the group. And that's actually why you start smoking. Um, so this is the same with social media, I would say. Yeah. You're gonna, you're uh, gonna say alcohol at first, like looks cool, right? Yeah, but it doesn't really, right? <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. but at the same time, it like, it does like, even like in, um, even like drugs in America, like Xanax and stuff like that. It has this sort of like appeal to it, like, oh, take these drugs, look cool, be out of your mind and stuff. That's one of yeah. the reasons we have like this whole epidemic and we have all this, even alcoholism and everything like that. So no, it's definitely true. Yeah, 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 no, let's say like that. Yeah, it's true. Also, of course, we have a lot of influence from uh, the music business kind of glorifying this, yeah, so. Yeah, and, um. Spotify just had their uh, yearly wrap where they show you your favorite artists of the year and uh, your favorite genres of music. And my genre is very, like, it definitely, the, exactly what you just said, like, it definitely, like, glorifies drugs. It definitely glorifies all this stuff. And yeah. now um, five rappers or six rappers, like, overdose in the past year now because of it. So it's yeah. definitely one of those things where, like, I mean, it sells, though, so they're going to keep making it to sell and make money. But at the same time, it's definitely feeding into it. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm gonna bring it back from that uh Manzine disorders. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the things you mentioned was uh well earlier was that somebody was able to eventually notice the warning signs and get these people to help. But what were what were some of the flags that they noticed? um flags that i noticed um yeah for instance they uh kind of uh started sporting a lot that they were weighing their calories uh, that they were weighing themselves a lot um but also that they are socially this is what happens a lot of time that they are socially kind of hijacked by the eating disorder so they isolate themselves a lot uh, the eating disorder is a lot of times also kind of bubble that you are in for yourself. It's for them even a safer environment. That's how they described it because they really identify themselves with an eating disorder or they feel safe in the control that the eating disorder gives them. Um, so they, then they start neglecting um, school, they neglect friends and they kind of become very isolated. Uh, so this, these are definitely signs if you see that as somebody in your environment uh, that you could maybe think like there's something going on there, maybe related to an eating disorder, yeah. Okay. Well, sorry, this sounds like a bad question, but one of, when people have an eating disorder and they see themselves as fat, so like they like to, they have anorexia or bulimia, is it that when they look in the mirror, they see themselves as like a skinny, for, like a like very skinny, but they see that skinniness as being fat, or is it like uh, putting on goggles where they actually just see like a fat person there? Uh, I think it's not a bad question because I also ask it to the protagonist. Um, oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's mostly like uh, they always focus on certain parts in their body, um, and. Um, this focus kind of enlarges the tiny fat that they're still there, which is normal. Like, 
just normal body fat. And then this enlarges a lot in their head. So, um, well, like this one of my best friends, Matthijs, like one of the protagonists, he also said that when he looked at other people, he could just rationally look at other people and say like, oh, this person just looks normal. This person is maybe a little bit fat, but then this person also was actually a little bit fat. Uh, but when he looked at himself, it was very distorted. So he would focus a lot on his belly, for instance. Um, and even though he was already uh, pretty skinny, and then he still thought that he should lose weight. Yeah. So it doesn't feed into like other people. Like another person could be normal weight, but they think they see them as normal weight and not yeah. like skinnier than they, uh, fatter than they are. No, no, exactly. No, it's just totally for, like only their own self image is uh, distorted. Yeah. I heard this a while ago. I don't know if it's true, but I heard an eating disorder is the hardest addiction to overcome. Because like a cigarette, you can like put it away or try to stay away from it or alcohol or something like that. But an eating disorder, you have to eat every day to stay alive. Yeah. Yeah, it's recommended to eat every day at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I would say that it's probably true also um, because a lot of eating disorders also developed during puberty. And one quote that the protagonist also said, like one of the protagonists who is also uh, a coach now for people with eating disorder to help them. Um, he actually said that he, his eating disorder started when he was like 11, 12, something like that. And he said, like, if I would get it on a later age, I would probably be hooked up on alcohol or drugs. Um, but because you're so young and you don't really, you can't really reach that yet. You can't really reach alcohol or drugs. So you start to create an addiction uh, on food because it's the one thing that it's really approachable for you. Yeah. So then I think uh, what you're stating is definitely true that it's, um, more difficult because you're facing it every day, yeah. And it's also, um, um, I think, the second deadliest, um, now I have to put it in good words, mental illness, uh, second deadliest mental illness in the world, yeah. So yeah. that's also kind of states how dangerous an eating disorder is, yeah. Maybe it was a different year, but I saw a TED Talk and yeah. this one was like 13 years ago, but it said it was actually the highest uh, death rate of all mental Ill illnesses at the time. Yeah, it kind of depends because uh, now it's getting a bit theoretical, but um, if you take drug abuse into as a mental illness also, what they kind of decided to do um, as a disorder also, uh, a couple of years back, I don't know which year actually, uh, then you could state that this is the uh, deadliest, but if you take that one away, then it's actually the deadly, then an eating disorder is the deadliest, um, the deadliest mental illness in the world. Yeah. Wow. So it kind of d depends on the terminology. Yeah. So yeah, the death rate's so high because people, they just really avoid food to the point that they're starving themselves to death. Yeah. Yeah. So heart failure um, is often but also um yeah i think heart failure is the biggest cause within this group then i think yeah that's yeah, crazy because I, I always picture yeah like the 
bad struggle with it and all the stuff along with it, but you never actually picture the, it sounds like a statistic, but that's insane. Each person is more than a statistic. Everybody says with like COVID and whatnot, but it's true. So yeah, like in the Netherlands, you have this documentary, um, which is really famous. Like I think almost every Dutch person uh, has seen it and it's called Emma Leva. Uh, and it's a documentary actually about uh, Emma who uh, films herself during her life and her struggles with eating disorder. And then in the end of the documentary, she also uh, passed away. Um, so I think that's one of the faces that, yeah, about the, uh, behind the statistics, yeah. All right. If somebody finds out they're having an eating disorder, or I guess even the people in your story, how did they overcome it? Um, so uh, first thing is to find professional help also get a diagnosis because this mostly helps to um, to kind of acknowledge it yourself also that you have an uh, eating disorder um, and professional help so they went to treatment centers uh, or to therapists um, and they started to really focus on the underlying problems uh, the emotions that they hadn't converted yet um and yeah to kind of get into a more positive life to be more kind to themselves um and to learn to talk about their emotions these two things being kind to oneself and learning how to talk about emotions are i would say the two most important things uh, to overcome this yeah from what i've heard from the stories and the people that i've talked to in the medical field yeah so it seems easy to just say like oh figure out like just start eating more food or make yourself eat but it's really like that doesn't work as well you have to actually get to like the root of the problem yeah yeah definitely um also in the stories like there are still some treatment center would tend to focus a lot on uh the, the feeding behaviors so there are actually like two protagonists in the book and they went to the same treatment center, uh, which was one of these treatment center, who focused a lot on the eating. Um, and they learned how to eat normal again. Um, and then their BMI was normal again. And then they instantly um, uh, had to go out of the treatment center because they were cured, as they said. And instantly when they came back home, they started to have these restrictive patterns again. Um, so this is, I think, a really good example that focusing on food doesn't really help. It's really about the underlying problems. Um, and that's what all the protagonists state, that uh, these underlying problems are the things that they have to solve to get out of the eating disorder. Yeah. What causes some of the people to relapse or how do you avoid relapsing? um it's a good question because we did have uh some protagonists who also relapsed so yeah to just continue listening to your emotions and talking about your emotion also avoiding stress in your life if you feel stress because of whatever it could be uh this mostly increases tendencies to go back into the eating disorder again 
so for instance, we had one protagonist and um, he had started a new job and this job was very stressful for him. So then also uh, the eating disorder kind of crawled back into his life, you know. Okay. How, um, I mean, it's a whole different topic, but like stress, how do you like afford stress? Because <laughs> everybody's always stressed out <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, or maybe like know how to handle stress and take moments uh, to also relax and don't put too much pressure on yourself, I would say, yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, what I want to add to the previous one, like because now it just feels like yeah, just don't get stressed and then you will not relapse. That's of course a little bit too uh, much, but just I meant more like to uh, just keep listening to your emotions, kind of. That's more what I meant. I think. Yeah. I should have asked this earlier, but besides the obvious having the highest death rate or second highest death rate, depending how you look at it. What are some of the other health problems some of these people have from like not eating? During the eating disorder, you meant? Or? Yeah, yeah, during the eating disorders. Like what kind of a, uh, does it give you like, I don't know, bad vision or bad stomach problems or? Ah, okay, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so mentally also it was most of the time combined with depression also, uh, which kind of logic I would say. Um, uh, physically uh, there, um, so when you're really skinny, uh, automatically your uh, body starts to grow more hair uh, to kind of protect yourself from the cold outside. So this is something that uh, happened a couple of times at protagonist. Uh, also like problems with, I don't know if I pronounced this word right. English is my native language, vowels. Yeah, it seems to make sense, like the follow up. Yeah, exactly. But, but um, Going a lot here, I find that odd because if your body's low on nutrients, I feel like it would use up nutrients to grow more hair. But I don't know, I'm not a biologist. <laughs> yeah, but it's more mostly to kind of protect yourself from the cold out, outside. Um, of course, up. because you have, you, you have less body fat, it's also what we heard a couple of times is that it actually hurt it for them to just sit on a chair because it was just painful. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a small side effect I wouldn't think about. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think I'm just about out of questions. Are there any uh, final messages you want to get out for the audience? Um, Yeah, I would say that if you see somebody in your environment who might be struggling with an eating disorder, or if you think that you might be struggling with an eating disorder yourself, um, then I would really advise to seek professional help and also to start talking to somebody that you trust, could be just friend or family member, um, to start talking about what is going on uh, because this kind of relieves the pressure on yourself also. And um, yeah, the end message of this project, a story to tell, it's also kind of uh, that you can overcome an eating disorder. So um, yeah, there is help out there. Um, do you mind if I also uh, notice my the website and where you can order the book? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, so the website is uh, where you can order the book is storytotell.info um, and we ship globally so that you can learn more about men and eating disorders.
as a well-received book, I think I saw some good awards going alongside with it. Again, I'm American, so I don't know what Butu Gallery means, but... Yeah, we <laughs> did nominations and awards, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's well-received. Yeah, I'm glad that it's well-received also. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, well then, um, for the audience, you'll see a link for all that in the description too. And for people on the radio, be sure to go to podcasttheway.com to find more. This is a WHUS Stores, FM 91.7 at the top of the hour. Again, podcasttheway.com, follow on social media. And as always, deuces. Deuces.